May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Good morning. Well, I am here. I was supposed to preach in the fall on one of those days approaching the election. It was a time of hot gospel, Jesus preaching and teaching up a storm, and I intended to do the same. It was a heady time in the world, but alas, I was struck down. Or, more accurately, I collapsed into a heap in my kitchen, hit my head, and gave myself a concussion. God struck. (laughs) So, it was early in October. I picked up one of those norovirus things, and I was seriously dehydrated. Finding myself on the kitchen floor with my little Tibetan spaniel, Teddy, looking at me, I think he was thinking if I didn't wake up that I would be breakfast. The back of my head was bleeding, and what followed was a trip to the emergency room, stitches, a CAT scan, fluids, and then I was sent home to recuperate from a concussion. The virus was gone. But I was left with a concussion, and quickly I became aware that noise, light, and the the smell of food became intolerable. And after a couple of days, finding the sounds of political rancor and the accompanied escalating angry rhetoric intolerable, I was forced to withdraw from the world. Radio, TV, Facebook, my cell phone, everything was turned off. And my 30 days of solitude began. I withdrew from the world. Matthew, this morning, uses this odd word, anchorine, withdraw, as Jesus withdrew to Galilee. Later, that word, anchorine, became the technical word for monasticism. This is an experience in my life that I will cherish. Not the conk on my head, but that time to withdraw. And even when I fully recovered, I was reluctant to return to the world. In my days of solitude, I experienced the blessing of quiet and beauty and a rhythm of living 
that was so amazing. My little house is filled with sacred art, and my days began to shift to a posture of meditation on the beauty that surrounds me. I have long cultivated joy as a spiritual practice, knowing that sorrow comes our way unbidden. But the blow to my head drew me away from the noise of this world and back into the place where Jesus calls us. This alternative reality he calls the kingdom of heaven. Today I want to share a perspective and invite you to consider how you might shift your point of view. It seems that it's a good time to consider a new perspective. I can hardly avoid the obvious. We have a new president, and in our prayers of the people today, we will pray for the first time for President Donald J. Trump. We have also witnessed an unprecedented response to this changing of leadership. Millions joined in the Women's March, and in this moment, I know there are a lot of feelings. Some are full of hope and promise, others anxious and afraid. We are watching the world shift, and for some, the vantage point is from a place of domination and power. For others, a place of powerlessness, fear, and dread. Neither reflect the kingdom of heaven. So, first, a little science. We are, by nature, a social species, one of only 20 known social species in the world. 17 are invertebrates, ants, bees, wasps, termites, and even shrimp. Two are African voles, underground rodents. And number 20, us, human beings. And here is what is extraordinary. By virtue of our size, by virtue of the fact that we discovered fire and started cooking our food, our brains grew. And as a result, we are the only ones, only ones out of all the known living animals, millions of animals on the face of the earth, we are the only ones who have the capacity to link memories, tell stories, and imagine the future. Our social and our individual identities make us by far the most complex and unique animals on earth. Even my wonderful little Tibetan spaniels can only live in the present moment. I can tell their stories I can even anticipate that one day they will grow old and die. But they can only live in the rhythm and habit of this present moment. We humans are storytellers. We are linked together in an amazing dance of thoughts, experiences, memories, wondering. 
We can even imagine a better future. But we can also unleash cruel and unrelenting violence on those whose stories are unlike ours. It seems inconceivable that a consequence of our social nature can lead us to love and compassion and also to hate and cruelty. Edward O. Wilson, the leading social biologist in the world, understands our limitations more than most, down to the tiniest aspect of our humanity. He says, we are poorly wired, caught in a conundrum of individual selection and group selection, a confounding tension that leaves us an unstable mix of innate emotional responses, creating a mind that is continuously and kaleidoscopically shifting in mood, variously proud, aggressive, competitive, angry, vengeful, venal, treacherous, curious, adventurous, tribal, brave, humble, patriotic, empathetic, and loving. This is the essence of the human character, and it is the source of our creativity. It is what makes us amazing. To eliminate the tension is to lose what is best in us, and yet it seems left to our own devices, we are destined to destroy the earth. What can be done? Is it possible to transcend these limitations without destroying what is best in us? I would not be standing here if I did not believe there is a way, a way to be lifted into imagining this fullness of our humanity, to draw others into this way of blessing. I believe it is possible. You need to know, I must confess, that I am very uncomfortable with religion merged with politics. When the early church found itself embraced by Constantine and made a legal religion. It was a blessing and a curse. And what arose when we became the state religion? What arose was an imperial Christianity in that post-Constantinian era, no longer persecuted, and then the religion of the state Christianity moved toward creedal conformity and away from the story. It seems whenever the church merges with a political system of domination and power, the message is distorted and often so corrupted as to be the antithesis of the gospel of Jesus. Early Roman soldiers who became followers of the way of Jesus, refused to fight for Caesar and were martyred for their faith. By the ninth century, Christian soldiers were sent into the heathen lands 
forcing the residents to either convert or die. This cannot be the way of Jesus. This is not the vision of the kingdom of heaven. And so reformers come from early monastics to later Protestants, separatists, Anabaptists, Quakers, and perhaps even some of us here today who are gathered. We return to the stories. We return to the gospel stories of Jesus to remember who we are and whose we are. Today, I prefer to call myself a follower of the way of Jesus. It was the earliest designation of those whose lives were transformed in the presence of the risen Lord. My entire life has been formed in this story. This great good news from the battlefield. And so today, this third Sunday after Epiphany, we begin again. We begin the story again as Jesus enters into his public ministry, it starts with these words, as he withdraws to Galilee, he comes with the proclamation, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. The first words of his public ministry, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Those first disciples are called and leave everything behind. Jesus goes throughout Galilee, teaching and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, curing every illness and every sickness. He is the promised light and has come to those who suffered most, the marginalized, the oppressed, outcast, sinners, downtrodden, dispossessed. He comes to speak against the powers, the powers of Rome, the powers of Jerusalem. His words were first spoken by John the Baptist, now imprisoned. They are an invitation to enter into an alternative reality. It is not the reality of domination and power, nor is it the reality of fear and oppression. Jesus comes and invites them and us into the third way. Not fight, not flight, but life, abundant life. Jesus, the Son of Man, or better put, Jesus, the human being, comes to show us the way to be human. Even the scientist Edward Wilson sees this potential in us and urges humanity to see that it can be different. Jesus comes to us and offers a different path, and he does more than call us into the kingdom of heaven. He walks the path himself. Every story, parable, healing, confrontation breaks open the kingdom of heaven. We must watch. Watch what he says and does. We must know this story intimately. We must enter into this gospel, this good news, with new eyes. Walter Wink offers a few signs of this way of Jesus. We are calling this the third way, the third way of Jesus. And we are called to 
Seize the moral initiative. Find a creative alternative to violence. Assert our own humanity and dignity as human beings. Meet force with ridicule or humor. Break the cycle of humiliation. Refuse to submit or accept the inferior position. Expose the injustice of the system. Take control of the power dynamic. Shame the oppressor into repentance. Stand our ground. Force the powers of domination to make decisions for which they are not prepared. Recognize our own power. Be willing to suffer rather than retaliate. Cause the oppressor to see you in a new light. Deprive the oppressor of a situation where a show of force is effective. Be willing to undergo the penalty for breaking unjust laws. And finally, die to fear of the old order and its rules. We are called to a new way, a third way, the way of Jesus in the kingdom of heaven. The way of Jesus is not passive, submissive, or weak. It is the way of the kingdom of heaven, and we who follow him are citizens of that realm, citizens of heaven. He is the human being who came and showed us how to be human. Look nowhere else. Consider your life and where you want to reside. Take a little time to withdraw. Even ten minutes of solitude can open up a new vision, a vision of heaven, and consider the spiritual practice of the third way. Here is one tiny story, one tiny example of the third way. Archbishop Desmond Tutu was walking down a sidewalk. It narrowed, allowing for only one person to pass. A white man faces him and says, I don't move out of the way of gorillas. Tutu doesn't miss a beat and says, That's all right, I do. Desmond Tutu speaks from the perspective of the third way. He speaks, and silence is the outcome, not violence and not degradation. We are the people of the third way. We have been called to be citizens of a new kingdom, a new reality. And I may have knocked myself out, but I haven't lost my mind. I can pray for our new president, but I will follow Jesus. Amen.